Wow, Jan, timely prayer. Because we're in a series studying through the epistle to the Corinthian church, the second one that we're calling Renovation. Is that, see that picture up there? Can you see that? How many would say that kind of describes your life right now? Yeah? It's, and it, and it's, it's, it's a good picture, right? Because it means things are happening. But living in the midst of that is often challenging. Would you agree? Yeah. When God is doing reconstruction, when he is doing renovation in our life, he always starts with the heart. He always starts with the heart. And that's what I want us to focus our hearts and minds on for a few minutes this morning, or a little, maybe more than a few minutes. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. If you have your Bible, you have your phone, your tablet, it'll be on the screens behind me, but I encourage you to engage. I joke, you can trust me, but that's a joke. I want to encourage you to engage God's word so that as Jan prayed this morning, what you hear is not my voice this morning, but you hear God's voice speak to you. So engage his word. Take it out, look at it, take notes, whatever helps you focus your heart and mind on his word. Because I know you came in with burdens and you came in with your life looking like this, many of us, and we need God's help. But God is looking at our heart to start with our heart and say, okay, would you engage me? So engage his word this morning. Can you do that? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting at verse 11. When God wants to do a renovation, when he wants to do reconstruction, he starts with the heart. And so, a couple of questions. Are you open to change? Now, don't answer out loud. I kind of have a feel. I've been in a church family. I've been in a family. I've been around people for a long time. And we struggle with change. I, I get that. But it's a legitimate question to, at any given moment or season in our life, when our life begins to look like this, one of the first questions that we need to ask ourselves on behalf of God working on our heart is, am I ready for change? Because that, that represents change, doesn't it? Change to routine, change to how you spend your money, change to just about every aspect of your life. When your house looks like that, when your life looks like that, God is asking us, are you ready for change? Are we ready for change? Am I ready to grow? Now, the, the Sunday school answer is, yes, of course I am. But let's be honest with God. Let's be honest with the Holy Spirit. Because if you've walked with God for any length of time, you know that in order for there to be growth, there has to be change. Something has to change. Something has to go. Something has to be renovated. Something has to be let go of so that we can grab a hold of the new. In fact, often for growth, there has to be death. A seed is an amazing thing, but in order for there to be fruit, growth from that seed, it gets planted in the ground, and what happens to that seed? It dies in order for there to be growth. So am I ready for growth? Am I ready for the things that need to die? Am I ready to let go of them, let them die? And if they're good things, celebrate what they've been, but then let them die and be ready for growth. Am I open or closed to renovation? Is my heart open or closed to renovation? My thinking, my thoughts, okay, yeah, I get it, I get it up here. But is my heart open or closed to renovation? Or I'll just ask point blank, how's my heart? How is your heart? 
I have, a, I have an EKG, is that right? I think scheduled this week. And it was strange because my doctor called and said, hey, I had an EKG recently for something else. And he called and said, and I've never got a call from my doctor. So when I recognized his voice, I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> and he says, hey, I'm looking at your EKG you had done last week, and there's some changes, and I have some concerns. Can we schedule you for another EKG, more extensive, and then we'll sit down and talk? And I go, okay, yeah. <laughs> What is he really saying? He's saying, I want to know how your heart is. I want to look at this chart, the physical heart. I want to compare some things, and I want to ask a, this important question, how is your heart? Now, I'm like, I don't, even want to t- I don't want to think about this. I don't want to worry about it. I don't want to you know, know what this could or could not mean. You know where our brains go, right? And we fill in that void. But is it a good thing for the doctor to say, hey, how is your heart? It is. Because if I don't and something's wrong... Well, what about our spiritual heart? Is it good for us to pause and just with God's help say, God, would you help me just be honest, show me, reveal to me my heart? Is my heart open or is it closed to change, to renovation? All right, here's our text. Second Corinthians, join me there, chapter 6, verse 11. We have spoken openly to you. This is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth, and we're picking it up where we left off last week with Pastor Jeff. We've spoken openly to you, Corinthians. Our heart has been opened wide, literally welcoming. Our heart has been welcoming, open to you. And you're not limited by us, but you are limited by your own affections, the condition of your own heart. You're not limited by what people are saying about Paul and the other team and and what other people are saying about the other apostles and all that. He says that's not the limiting factor in this relationship. What is the limiting factor in any relationship? It's the openness or closeness of our heart towards that person. And Paul says our heart has been opened wide to you. You know that literally open wide means that you have an open mouth. It's like when the doctor or somebody, you know, does that Ah, what, they're looking to see if there's anything in there that shouldn't be in there, right? Or if something's swollen or whatever. Ah, he says, look, ah, we're being sincere. We are open. We are welcoming to this relationship with you, and you're going to be limited by your own heart's condition. And so I speak to you as my children. I'm talking to you as my children. And the proper response from you to me would be that you should also be open to us. How is my heart? God starts with our heart. He starts with our heart. So the question is, am I willing to offer him an open heart? Am I willing to say, God, my heart, and we'll unpack a little bit this morning of what is there and what that means, but it starts with saying, okay, God, I know what you need from me. Where you want to start the work in this renovation or this reconstruction is you want to start in my heart. And I have to be honest right now before we go any further. Is my heart open to what God wants to do in me? Or is it closed off? Am I protecting my heart? Am I putting up walls? Am I putting up barriers to protect myself? Maybe because of past hurts or past failures or past guilt or shame. It can be a long list of things. But life will do that. We will allow life to do that, won't we, over time? If we're not keeping an open heart to God, life will actually do the opposite. It will make our heart closed off and hard and we don't trust and we're skeptical and we're without hope. We give up on the, on, the, on the hope or the reality of 
renovation. How many, and just raise in your, your you know you have a hand in your heart, right? So you can just raise that little hand in your heart, okay? How many have been in, in a home or in a living situation and you have dreams of it being changed and renovated, but you just, circumstances are, you're just in your home and you've just kind of given up any hope of it ever changing, ever getting any better? Yeah, I saw that little hand in the heart. Me too. And we do that in life, right? With our heart. We just, we, we're, we're closed up. We've given up any hope, and so now it's hard. And God hasn't changed. God continues to say, I really want you to have an open heart. I want you to have an open, open heart towards me, this relational connection. But this is where I have to start. If I'm going to do a work in you, God says, if I'm going to really change you and transform you, what do I do? I need to lose 20 pounds. So I start thinking about the external, right? I start thinking about the, the routines and the schedule, and I actually bought a little bike to you know, sit on, and it's a funny thing. It doesn't go anywhere. It just stays in one place, and I spin the things, and I can you know, read my Bible or whatever, but I'm doing all that. But you know what I need to do first? I need to first start with my heart. Am I, am I committed? Is this important to me? Am I devoted to this? Is this something I'm all in to see happen? And that's what where God starts he says Kurt let's talk about your heart this is where I want to start I want to know if I have your heart and so what God asked for us at the beginning of a season of reconstruction or renovation and he will ask the same question periodically through the process do I have your heart and is your heart open is your heart open and willing to receive from God what he wants to do Here's what God challenged me with this week as I was studying for this. And it's in the text there, Paul's relationship to the Corinthian church. Renovation maybe always, almost always starts with reconciliation. It starts with God saying, okay, you say I have your heart and your heart is open. Can we talk about something? You got this friendship. You got this relationship. You got this spouse that you're married to. You have this adult child. You have this neighbor. You have this brother or sister in the body of Christ, and you're not right with each other. And what, what happens is rec our willingness to, to reconcile becomes the litmus test on whether or, not our, whether or not our heart is actually open to what God says. They say, I would never do that. I would say, God, yes, I'm open. I'm ready for what you want to do and then hide a relationship that needs to be reconciled on my part. It's funny because Jesus addressed it. He said, so you're offering your gift at the altar. You've come to worship God and you've brought your gift. Did anybody bring gifts this morning? I hope you did. Did you bring, maybe you brought a financial gift to give to him. You can put it in those boxes. Maybe you brought a gift of worship and you want to offer him your worship. Maybe you brought gifts of service and so you're serving. There's people serving right now. Are you not thankful for the sound and video people in the back here? That are here every week. They show up early. They work hard. <laughs> and the only time we turn around and look at them is when? Yeah, when a microphone doesn't work and you got to, oh, who's that guy? Oh, that's the guy in the back that's there every week and with a team of people and they're doing it every week. And oh, there he is. And then we, thank you. Thank you for what you do. Sorry, squirrel. What was I, what was I saying? Reconciliation. I don't know why that made me think of you, but I'm thankful for you. If you're offering your gifts, thank you. 
I'm back. You brought a gift of service. You brought a gift of, there's various things. You're gonna bring a gift of your life this morning and you're gonna be back there praying with someone or you're gonna bring the gift of worship and come to the Lord's table today. You came with gifts to worship God. And Jesus said, well, if you show up to worship me, to worship God and you bring in your gift, and there it is in this moment that you remember the Holy Spirit brings back to mind, hey, you know what? You got a relationship that you have damaged and you haven't taken steps to reconcile. Look, look how pointed Jesus' words are. Do you see him? If you remember that in this moment, then you stop what you're doing. You leave your gift there in front. You just sit it down, and you first go and be reconciled with your brother. Then come and offer me your gift. See what Jesus is saying on one level is that this is really the test of whether or not our hearts are really open to what God wants to do in us. This is, for most of us, this is the thing that we struggle most with hanging on to. You don't understand what that person has done. You don't understand what they're like. My wife's with kids, so I can talk about her. You don't know what Becky's like. Ah, oh, she's gonna read the, watch this later, okay. My wife is amazing. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Whoever that was. You with me, brother? Don't leave me up here all by myself. The thing that we struggle with, even when we're in that place where we say, okay, God, I want you to work in me. I want your blessing. I want your provision. I want you to show me how you want to change me. And he says, okay, Kurt, well, what about this relationship? Ah, you're right. I have a brother who has something against me. I've done something. I've said something. And then, in most cases, there's a long trail of shrapnel that between the, in that broken relationship that we've added to it. You with me? And it just goes, and then at some point, we just kind of, this is the way it's always going to be, and we just have it tucked away. And then God says, you say you have an open heart? Paul says to the Corinthians, to believers, our hearts are open to you. Had there been offenses in the past, had there been a breakdown in the relationship between the Apostle Paul and the Corinthian church? Yeah, there had, right? They had done some things. And he's having to really correct them and speak some tough words of truth into their life. And there was this tension. And he says, I want you to know and all that's happened, our hearts are open to you. And we want your hearts to be open to us. Because we, before we can go any further in the work that God wants to do in your life and my life, I first need to make sure that I am willing to reconcile you don't even, you don't even, we don't even need to tell God that we're ready for his work. Just go reconcile that relationship. He'll know. He'll know. When he sees you and I going and saying, I'm sorry, let me own what I have done, and I'm not okay with us, this relationship not being reconciled. In the same way God, we saw two weeks ago when Nate was teaching in this, from this book, God is not okay with us being unreconciled with him. He's not okay with the world not being reconciled with him. How do I know that? Because he sacrificed his son so that I might be reconciled to him. I didn't deserve it. There's no human explanation why God would want me to be reconciled with him. All I know is that he does. He did, he does, and he sent his son, and he did come, and now I'm reconciled with God because of Jesus Christ. That applies to our relationships with one another in the body of Christ. The greatest command in all the word of God is to, 
to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Be reconciled to God and live a life of love for him. The second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Reconciliation is where renovation begins. He continues in our text this morning. And he seems to make a right-hand turn, but he's not. Don't be mismatched. Many of our translations say don't be unequally yoked, right? Keep that word yoke in mind, not the egg yolk. Some of you are hungry. You know what a yoke is? Okay, good. Don't be mismatched with unbelievers. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship, what communion does light have with darkness? What agreement does Christ have with Belial? A word only used here to describe Satan and everything that he stands for. Just like Christ represents everything that Jesus stands for. Would you agree? He's a Messiah. He's the anointed promised Messiah. We know what he's about. We know his heart. Same thing with Belial. It means worthless. Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And what agreement does God's sanctuary, literally temple, have with idols? Where is the temple today? I thought it was in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. No, it's not there, is it? One day it will be. But where is the temple now, Dennis? You're looking at it. (laughs) Sorry for disappoint you. But you're looking at it, and when you look in the mirror as a follower of Jesus, you're looking at it. It's where God has chosen to dwell so the world would know who he is. We are the temple. What agreement does God's sanctuary, the temple of God, have with, all, with idols? Not bad. I think we could dance to that, but we'll give a... We are the sanctuary of the living God. And as God said... I will dwell among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Great place for an amen. Can I direct our thoughts to this? God expects to be God. Just hover there for a second, five seconds. God expects to be God in my life. And my response to that truth is this. I want to give him an un divided heart an undivided heart now we often look at this text as applying to marriage which it does but in 1 Corinthians 7 Paul says if you're if you're unequally yoked if you're married to an unbeliever and they're going to stay with you don't leave them stay unequally yoked to use this phrase stay with them so it's much bigger than marriage it really has to do with the devotion that we carry in our heart. What are we devoted to? What are we giving ourselves to? And these questions that he poses are to help us, well, yeah, that doesn't, I'm, I, I should be able to take this and go, okay, my, my devotion to blank doesn't make sense. It, 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 it's, it's an unequal yoke. My devotion to money my devotion to, to pleasure, my devotion to image, my devotion to being liked, my devotion to me, my devotion to anything else other than Christ doesn't make sense if I answer these questions honestly. You with me? If I'm devoted to anything else other than Jesus, I have a divided heart. 
You saw the imagery of idols in there, didn't you? You saw the word idols. It's something we worship, something we give ourselves to, something we're devoted to. How many altars does God say should be on the throne of our heart? One. One. And who sits on that throne? God. And when God moves in and he makes us the temple, I become the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. He expects to sit on the throne of my heart. Every day, every moment, every relationship, every pursuit, his expectation is that he would be God. And the only proper response, if I believe that to be true, is to offer him an open heart, a heart that is undivided in its devotion to him. And don't we know when that devotion gets divided, if we're honest? Come on. The Holy Spirit's so good to speak to us and say, hey, this is, so, this is too important. This is taking my place. This has become an idol. You're looking for something from that that you should be getting from me. Your eyes should be back on the throne of your heart and see who's sitting on the throne of your heart. Get your eyes off of this money, this job, this relationship, this pursuit, this interest, this hobby, whatever it is, the sin. Because you're looking for something from that sin that you're not going to find and sadly, our own stupidity, God's already provided what we need in himself. I don't need to turn to sin to meet some kind of desire or need. It's a lie. The truth is God expects to be God. There shouldn't be a competition for my heart. You guys tra over here tracking with me? I feel like I ignore you sometimes. There shouldn't be a competition for the, for, the, for the devotion of my heart. There should be a constant surrendering on my part, saying, wow, this is becoming too important. This, this, this vehicle that I drive, this job that I have, this pursuit that I'm going after because I want something, this is, this is taking, it's trying to push him off the throne. And God shouldn't have to compete for my devotion. He deserves it. No? I can't get an amen to that. He deserves our full devotion. He deserves all of us. We shouldn't be partnering with these other things, giving our devotion to other things, whatever or whoever it is, if it takes away from our devotion to God. There should be no question concerning who I am devoted to. You should be able to see it. You should be able to hear it. And most importantly, in my relationship with God, it should be absolutely clear. Jesus, you are my number one. You're the one that sits on the throne of my heart. My love, my devotion is yours. Cindy challenged us. I, my eyes just locked on your face, Cindy. A few weeks ago, right? With all that we are. Love him with all that we are. How, how sad it is that many of us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, make the devotion of our heart a competition. And we put Jesus in a competition and we say, top that. Do that for me. Do this for me. Fill this gap. And answer this need. Fulfill this. Are you with me? We do that. We put him in, okay, you'll, you'll be my number one if... 
Jesus said, do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. Remember that in John, 1 John? If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For everything that belongs to the world. The love of the Father is not in, does that mean we lose our salvation? No, it means we're not fully devoted to the Father. We're not fully devoted to Jesus. He's not our first love. We don't love him with all of our mind, soul, heart, and strength. It's not taking over our life. Everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, what happens to them? Yeah, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world. And then he goes on to say they're fading away. Yahweh said this in Leviticus. He says, I will walk among you. Can you receive this for yourself as a child of God, as a part of God's family? I will walk among you. I will be your God, I will, and you will be my people. I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You say, well, I didn't come out of the land of Egypt. But as a follower of Jesus, did he set you free from slavery? Yes, yes he did. Me too. We've been set free. You took me out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of the slavery to my sin. I did that so that you would no longer be slaves. I broke the bars of your and enabled you to live in freedom. Paul says, don't divide the devotion of your heart by going back and yoking yourself with something that we have no business yoking ourselves to. People, pleasures, possessions, whatever it is. He said, I set you free from that. If we're ready for God to start working on our heart, we've got to give him an open heart and we've got to give him a fully devoted heart, undivided in devotion. See how long before we start getting snickers and laughter. God said this, not me. Don't plow with an ox and a donkey together. Don't yoke an ox and a donkey together. They're unequally yoked. Therefore, verse 17 of our text, therefore come out from among them. Among who? Mm, that's, that's, that's my first thought too, but Paul says in another place, I'm not talking about separating from the, the sin of this world because then we'd have to leave the world. Right? I'm, he, he says, I'm talking about other believers when he addresses this before. He says, I don't want you to be involved, deeply involved in people's lives that know Jesus, and yet they are not following Jesus. They're living in sin. When he says, come out among them, he's referring context to what he just said. Don't be unequally yoked with, and then he gives these examples, these devotions, these idols. Come out from among them. Stop living your life with a divided devotion to God and then all this other stuff. Stop. Be separate, says the Lord. Don't touch any unclean thing. And I will welcome you. The renovation will begin, folks. I will work in you. You will experience me like you never have before. I'll be a father to you. You'll be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, dear friends, can you hear the... the the, the gentleness of Paul here, this is some tough stuff. He says, therefore, dear friends, because of this, this truth, let me continue with what it looks like. Since we have such promises, we also need to cleanse ourselves from every impurity, every divided devotion, every idol, whatever it is, any sin. It can be thought, it can be attitude, it can be actions. If it doesn't belong in my life as a follower of Jesus Christ, I need to cleanse myself from it. From every impurity of the flesh and the spirit. So everything that I do with this body, 
needs to be pure and honoring to God, but also everything that happens in here and in here. This is a little less. This is not the Spirit of God. This is the inner life, our inner life. Are you with me? What happens in here and what happens in here need to be free from any impurity. And by the way, I'm preaching to me as much as I am, as I am this direction, okay? We're in this together. Completing our sanctification in the fear of God. Continuing the work of what God wants to do in us. Here's my last thought. God wants unrestricted access to my heart. Unrestricted access to my heart. So don't hold anything back. We're remodeling our kitchen, I've told you. And before we started, we had that cabinet above the refrigerator. You know what I'm talking about? Now, I know I'm vertically challenged, so maybe it's a bigger deal for me. But my whole life, I've just thought, that is, I don't get that. When I build cabinets, we used to put slots up there so you can put cookie sheets up there so it had some kind of purpose because what goes up there tends to stay up there and get forgotten up there. You also got that drawer in your kitchen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How in the, there was a time at the previous house, I'm not kidding, no exaggeration, we had 30 or 40 cords and transformed little box things and chargers of every shape on the end and we kept them because when you lost the one, whatever needs to be recharged, you're going to find it. You never found it in there. I don't know where they came from. I don't know who came into our house and filled that drawer with stuff, but we got that drawer. Maybe you got that closet, and you have company over, and they can go anywhere they want except don't go in the closet. <laughs> There's some bodies in there, and just, we're going to, okay. Just right. I mean, don't we have that spiritually in our life? Okay, God, come work in me. I'm ready for renovation. However, we're going to do this room and this room and this attitude and this behavior and this part of my life. But this one over here, there's a deadbolt on that door. As Jesus is going, what's up within here? Because he knows. And we're going, yeah, yeah, that, let's, let's focus on the other stuff. God wants unrestricted access to my heart. Don't hold anything back. Can I walk us through that real quick? Just got a couple of minutes kind of the way I think, and so this is kind of a reflection of my thinking, and maybe it'll connect with you, maybe it won't. But what Paul is saying in those verses is he's saying, know when to run away. Know when to run away. Do you know who I'm thinking of? Kenny Rogers? Wow. Know when to hold him, know when to fold him, know when to walk away, know when to run. Prayer team, can we pray for our brother Ron this week? We're, we're gonna, thank, please, Jim. Because, no, I was thinking of Joseph in the Bible. Ring a bell? <laughs> right? He's, he's in this, this a season of life where God's renovating him, right? I mean, things are going on, and he's like, what in the world? And that first picture, his life is turned upside down, and now he finds himself in a place where he's been given responsibility, and God's using him, and he's learning things, and he's okay. You know, God said this is going to happen in my life. I don't see it, but maybe this is a part of it. But this, this lady keeps throwing herself at me and she keeps tempting me and, and he's a young man and he's far away from anybody that knows him and he could get away with it. And that goes on and goes on. But do you realize there's a point? I know you do. Even Ron, I'm going to tell you how this story ends because apparently you haven't read it. At some point, he runs away. Now, is he a coward? No. He knows there's a time when you need to run away. The word in, in the text is literally get out. There's a time where you got to get out. You got to quit playing games about how strong you are to resist temptation and just run away. Get out. Leave behind that temptation 
and run to God. Leave your cards on the table. Leave your winnings or losings on the table. That was for Ron, so he understands what we're talking about. You got to know when to run away. Number two, always honor God's boundaries. They are there for us. Be separate. That's what that word means. It means there's clear boundaries. God has established very clear boundaries of what is good and evil, pure and impure, right and wrong, black, white. God's pretty absolute. He's gracious. And the Spirit of God is good to work in us to help us to apply the principles of his word. But if you stop with me and pause and reflect on what you know about God's word, he's pretty absolute. He's pretty black and white. He's pretty right and wrong. Harmful, helpful, good, bad. The boundaries he places, when he says sex, experiencing sexuality should be in marriage between a man and a woman, don't have it before, don't have it with extra people, a man and a woman in marriage committed for life, that is so restrictive. There's so many other possibilities. And yet God consistently puts this boundary around marriage and says this is what it looks like. Because he knows what's best. He knows what's best. And Paul says, you and I, if we're going to give him our heart, and we're not going to have a divided heart, and we're going to give him access to all aspects of my life, I have to honor God's boundaries. I may not understand them. Anybody else willing to raise their hand? There's times like, I forgive my enemies? Come on. There's times I don't understand them. And keep loving me, please. There's times I don't like them. And there's times where I'm like, I'm not exactly sure. And so then Paul says, well, just step back. Because how many would agree, if this is God's boundary, how many of us live right here? Whoa, that kind of looks cool over there. I need to just come back and say, hold on, there's a boundary there for a reason. It's a warning. It's protection. I'm going to come stand right here and honor that boundary. In my actions, in my attitudes, in my thoughts. Always honor God's boundaries. Number three, keep a safe distance. Keep a safe distance. My time is gone. I want to tell this story because this made it clear for me. I'm getting a frown from Don, but I love him. The word literally means don't light a fire. Don't start a fire. We, I have lots of grandkids. We have lots of birthday parties. Um, it's a thing now, if you don't know this, the cakes are all like decorated and they look like you know, Star Wars or whatever. I mean, they're just a big, anybody know what I'm talking about? Big thing. So at the beginning of the birthday party, the cake's always brought out and sit in a prominent place. Well, the grandchild whose birthday it is, where do you think they are for the first hour of the party? Don't touch the cake. Well, don't, no, don't touch the... Then you've got to smear the frosting back. I know from experience, smear the frosting back. And they, and they, and they think that's going to satisfy. Does it satisfy? No, it lights a fire, right? I want more. I want to just bury my face in it and just stuff my face. Paul says, keep a safe distance. If you know this is a thing, this becomes an idol. This is a devotion that steals your devotion to God. Don't just stand right there and I'll just take a taste. I'll just do a little bit. He says, no, that's going to light a fire. For that particular thing, I need to be over here. For this particular thing, I need to be here. I need to be self-aware of what it is that's going to light that fire in me to go outside the boundaries that God has set, to give my devotion to something else, someone else other than him, and I need to keep a safe distance 
not stay close so I can keep. Are you with me? Does that make sense a little bit? Okay, finally, purge is needed. He says, you just got to purge stuff. You know what a purge is? You know what a cleanse is? That's the picture. You know what? You got stuff in parts of your body that doesn't belong there. Yeah, right. You know what I'm talking about? You going to make me say the word? No, I'm not going to say it. You know what I'm talking about? You got stuff in there that needs to go. It's making you sick. It doesn't belong there. It's impure. What do you do? You got to get rid of it. You got to cleanse. You guys, we have, th- we have devotions in our life that are impure and they're making us spiritually sick. It might be watching what you watch on TV. It might be what you talk about. It might be where you put your dreams and your, your affections of what you want out of life. It can be many different things. But Paul says you've got to identify, identify what those are and you've got to purge them. Clean them out. Oh, I don't want to have to drink that stuff. And then, oh, and then you have to be close to that room all the time. And you... But that's what's needed for health. Are you with me? Is that enough graphic? Okay, I know it's almost lunchtime. We need to purge what doesn't belong, Paul says, in your life. You want to have an open heart. You want to have a willing heart. You want to have a fully devoted heart. We need to purge. So worship team, we need to respond. If you guys would come up. Let me throw these three questions out as they're coming up. And I'm done this morning. Can I ask you just to seriously consider a couple of questions? And they're going to be moving stuff around. That's fine. Take a picture of this. Write them down. Have I moved one of God's holiness boundaries? If your answer is yes, then honor that boundary. Confess it to God and step back and honor that boundary. But you've got to identify what it is. If you're going to give God your heart completely and he's going to do the work, we've got to identify that. Number two, who needs, what needs to be purged out of my life? Wow, that's a really personal question. What you're watching, what you're thinking about, what you're talking about, what you're dreaming about, what you're hoping for, whatever you're, wherever you're looking to find gratification or satisfaction or meaning or purpose, what needs to be purged from my life, and finally, who do I need to embrace with an open heart? I want to end with those words that we saw from Jesus. If you're here to bring him your worship, and these brothers and sisters are here to lead us in a time of response and worship and prayer and communion, If you're here to engage that, but you have got something wrong between you and a brother or sister, that has to come first, according to Jesus. So are you saying, I need to go get my car and drive over there? No. Just be real with God. Say, God, I'm owning that. And as soon as we're done this morning, I'm making a phone call, or I'm sending an email, or I'm whatever it looks like, I'm going to take the step to reconcile so that you have an open heart to work with. You have a willing heart to work with. You have a fully devoted heart to work with. Can we say amen to that? Let's bring him our gifts.